0: your host Jenny with an IE and you are listening to This is Jenny Alexis, a podcast about getting curious and doing things differently. Every episode I share personal musings, conversations, and stories that I hope will invite you to explore ways to live outside the systems we're taught and often believe we need to fit into. For more information about today's episode, including show notes, be sure to visit thisisjennyalexis.com slash podcast. I am so glad you're here. Now on to today's show. Hi, and welcome back to This is Jenny Alexis. It's so good to have you here. I am Jenny, and today I have a really special conversation to share with you. It's a conversation with one of my dearest friends and a fun fact about our friendship. When we first met, oh, I don't know, maybe about six or seven years ago, we did not like each other. We were introduced to each other through our friend, Andrea Hill, who's a really incredible stylist and fashion maven. And she was certain that we would just get on like a house on fire and that was not the case we both walked away from that introduction saying to andrea i don't know why you thought we would get along well it turns out it just took a moment so now after those years and many shared experiences and living very close to one another and navigating and supporting each other through some difficult transitions in our lives. Jill is one of my dearest friends. I love her very much. I can always count on her to reflect back to me what I maybe am not able to track or see in my own life. And she always does so with so much love. Jill is an intuitive visionary. She is deeply committed to truth, love, and evolution. Right now, she is working with people facing major life transitions, chosen or otherwise. And for the most part, she is working with women in midlife. Jill is an edge walker. She is always continuously on a deep soul dive, both for her own journey and as a guide for others. She has in her life experienced many challenges And because of this and the way that she has navigated this, she is so uniquely qualified to understand and help the people that she works with navigate the really hard stuff in life. And one of the things I love about Jill is that even though she's a really gifted intuitive and sometimes there can be a lot of things that come along with that, Jill really has a no BS approach. She will always tell the truth she will really always share from her heart. And when she is working with clients, even when she's channeling her own guides or the higher self and guides of her clients, what Jill really acknowledges is that it's only useful if it's going to make an impact on our life here as Earth, as humans. And it's this grounded approach that I think makes Jill so incredible at the work that she does. And I think that you'll hear that in our conversation. So without further ado, a conversation between my dear friend Jill Prescott and I. Welcome, Thank Jill. You, Jenny. It's so good to have you here. This is really fun. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> It feels really nice to have you as my next guest on the podcast, particularly as someone I've learned a lot about, uh, you know, I think what it means to be an edge walker, someone who doesn't necessarily follow the norm, uh, not just in their life, but in their business. Yeah, I think it's so fitting that you're here and yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Mm -hmm, Me too. So anything before we get started that... You feels really important for people to know about who you are, how you lead in the world. Mm.
1: Important about who I am. Perhaps one of the things I would say that's important to know about me is that I am absolutely convinced, committed to, and live into love being the answer, and love as a verb, an action that we take, a, a way of viewing the world. That includes the times when we have to navigate the hard things individually and as a community living on the earth. Thank you.
0: All right, let's go, shall we? Yeah, let's go. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, sort of the through line of the podcast is exploring the ways that we can do things differently and through that exploration is I want to be in dialogue with people who don't follow the status quo, have been very intentional about that. And, you know, that's where I want to start. And you can speak to your life or your business or both. I mean, I think in your case, they're so interwoven. Mm -hmm. Um, They often are for small business owners and entrepreneurs. But I want to start with this question. What are some of the things that you've done differently in your personal life, And your business that have made all the difference? Specifically, what choices have you, do you make that have gone against expectation, dominant culture, or the status quo?
1: I'm gonna start by saying that I had to grow into someone who goes against the status quo or dominant culture, that I spent a very large portion of my life doing everything to fit in to the dominant culture. And the expectations that are placed on uh, those of us who identify as women, familiar obligations, expectations about what we should be doing for work, how we should show up, all of that. So I would say now what I do differently is I am very, very happy not to fit in, in the way of those expectations. How would I say that? Uh, how, what more could? I, would I add to that? It's funny because I think I've been outside of the norm for so long that other people see it more vividly than I do. It's just become how I walk the planet. And it's never going to be that I I don't know that I will ever be 100% comfortable being someone who doesn't participate in what people call normal. So I'm always having to check in with myself. Is my response to the situation coming from the truth of who I know I am, I have become? Or is it a response that is generated from expectations, the family I was raised in, fear of what someone's going to say about it, that type of thing? I don't know that I'm answering your question (laughs)
0: specifically. (laughs) I think your answer is a a great illustration.
1: You know, it's something else, even speaking to that in the way of, as you know, I do a lot of work in the realm of spirituality, channel, I do a lot of intuitive work. If you didn't know that about me, and I didn't tell you, there's a pretty good chance you would never realize it. So I do not alter how I show up in the world, whether I'm channeling or having a conversation. So I'm not interested in being pegged that way. I think it's actually natural for all of us, and then we put on a facade. Sometimes we, I just had this conversation with somebody yesterday about how going to an event with a channel, they'll often change their voice, change how they uh, they occur in their body. And I made an agreement a long time ago that that just wasn't going to happen. So I think it's a bit rebellious to decide you're always going to be who you are and show up that way. Yeah.
0: There is a, or there can be Mm -hmm. a performative aspect to the, what shall we call it, the orbit of work in which you Mm -hmm. find yourself. Yeah.
1: I'm just not going to perform anymore. Not
0: interested. Thank you for that. It's a good reminder. (laughs) So you mentioned that for a period of time, or perhaps for, I don't know, maybe the majority of your life, you worked really hard to fit in. Mm. And can you speak to whether it was a particular moment or a season of your life, whether it was a month-long season or (laughs) a many-year-long season, in which it became really evident to you that that wearing of masks, that desire to fit in just became untenable.
1: Mm. Just like anything, it was a very slow process. So if I look back over my life, I would say in my early 40s, I started to realize this was simply not going to, it wasn't serving me any longer. And Mm. the, the facade started to crumble. And I had to do something about it. And it was very, very painful. because. I had identified with it as my value. So my capacity to fit in and have, quote unquote, success based on the status quo became who I identified as. I am financially able to earn a lot of money. I am an attractive woman. I am fit. I can pay. I can travel. I have a closet full of clothing and shoes. Very much my identity. And I would say that I took that identity on as a protective measure when I could not identify as a mother that birthed a child. So that was my intended identity as a young person. And when that didn't happen, in order to not have that destroy me, I had to pick up another identity. So I wore that one for a very long time until, like you said, it became untenable. There was a medical situation that said, you cannot continue this way. And so it took a long, slow, still happening process (laughs) to shed that identity completely and really come full circle to who it is that I am. I feel. I am meant to be on the planet offering what it is that I am meant
0: to offer in service. So, I wonder then what's coming to mind is how important do you think identity is? Like, is that a key component to our human experience, or is the way we identify necessary? I mean, I'm hearing, I think we can all. Or many of us can relate to the experience of taking on an identity that wasn't true for us. But I'm wondering like, is having, how important is having identity? I think it's very
1: important to the human experience. I think it's vital and the search for an identity that lines up with the soul purpose. That's when stuff really starts to shift for us. Just like everything else, when it comes to identity, when it comes to our spiritual journey, our our mental development, our emotional journey, it's constantly evolving. And intentionally, I think that's the way it's meant to be because we're in a secular experience on Earth. So, up until you know, not that many years ago, I would have, as a as woman who menstruates, I would have identified as pre menopausal. Now having gone on the other side of that, I'm looking towards, I am being called towards the identity of elder or crone. Without the idea that I am striving for an identity that pulls me forward, feels stagnant. So there's the identity that I hold, identities, many identities that I hold. And then there is the identity that I'm moving towards that keeps me in in a state of evolution. Yeah. And I would say even beyond that, there is identities on many levels. So there's the identity that I hold within the relationship that I have with my spouse and the identity that I have as the person in my work, the identity I have as a friend. That identity still holds the same through line of what I value and how I wanna show up in the world.
0: So the identities then that you talked about earlier with regards to identify as a woman who can create abundance, who has great clothing, who can travel. So I'm curious about that differentiating factor between those two.
1: Mm.
0: And maybe it's love as you Mm. previously mentioned. Mm -hmm. as being such an important component of Mm
1: -hmm.
0: how you are in the world and how you teach.
1: Yeah, I I would say that everything up to that point from a major portion of my life was looking outward for my identity because I was afraid to turn inward for my identity because I would have had to deal with trauma. I would have actually had to face myself because externally, externally, All of the evidence that I held was things such as my body does not work for me. I cannot have a child. I did not do well in school. Therefore, I'm stupid. My sister hates me. And so therefore, I'm not a good sibling. You see, so all of the identities that I believed to be true to myself up to that point, you know, victim of abuse, all of that was in order to resolve that without because I didn't know how to deal with it we don't know how to deal with the trauma until we run into somebody who can show us with their love, their compassion, their understanding and their wisdom that we don't need to be that that we are i gathered it externally to survive. So it worked. I actually did a very very good job of surviving. You know, like I don't have any angst against myself at that time because all things considered, i did pretty good. <laughs> So it had to switch only at a time in which I had enough support, I suppose, or enough time on the planet to understand that I wouldn't die if I turned inward and started pulling all the layers away so I could actually get to know this human called Jill on the planet.
0: Mm. Yeah, I like that visual of the layers and... How frequently we we create those layers, which keep us you know keep us working within these really problematic mm-hmm. systems that we're we're faced with as a means of survival, yeah that feels really that feels really helpful and very true, yeah, thank you. so turning the wheel a little bit <laughs> so so much of your work is. As I understand it, is focused on being a guide and a safe harbor for people who are finding themselves in that place of needing and and seeking someone who's going to meet them with care and compassion and love. Would that be a fair description?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's something that happens when someone has taken enough time and enough care and enough dedication to alchemize the painful stuff in their lives and created into something that becomes medicine. So you alchemize it first for yourself. I alchemized it first for myself, and then realized that there was something quite special about how I show up in the world that creates a deeply safe place for people. Now, was it like that when I first started doing this work? Not to the degree it is today, by any means, you know, very, very, So one of the protective layers that I held previous to the work that I'm doing was very tough. I used to be in the automotive industry, was a financial services manager, which is basically a glorified salesperson. And if a salesman was coming across the showroom, I could look at them from like the other side of the room, give them a look and they would stop. (laughs) And that was like my thing right like I was I'm very tiny and I was even more tiny and and I was a tough girl well when I first started doing this work the identity that I took on was spiritual badass and strangely I still think I am that to the degree like to a certain degree but not in the same way so badass back then to me went I'm going to tell you like it is And you're going to just have to swallow this medicine like I'll pry your jaws open and pour the medicine down your throat. (laughs) (laughs) Where now the badass part is much more in the way of I'm going to show up how I am and everything has softened. So. Being a badass to me now is the willingness to be so soft, such a comfortable place for people that they can show up and really have this opportunity in my witnessing of themselves to see the full possibility for themselves,
0: even in the midst of the fire. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's quite a shift, and I I have a sense of this because you're a good friend, but that's quite a shift to go from the car industry to doing a lot of intuitive work and coaching. Mm-hmm. So when I think about that, I think of, you know, it would take a particularly tough person to do that. There would be a level of bravery in in doing that as well mm-hmm. to make such a, I mean, 180 degree turn. I don't even know that it's in the same circle. Maybe it is. I don't know yeah. a lot about the car business. <laughs> Can you speak a little bit to... What that took, what that experience was like mm-hmm. to leave behind this, you know, what I, if and I think in my mind is an industry that is very driven by capitalism,
1: mm-hmm.
0: probably has a strong element of patriarchy to it. It's a
1: mm-hmm. male
0: dominated industry into moving into work that, you know, we all do work within capitalism at this time in our life. That's difficult not to, but that has a very different tenor.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll add to that, that I was very, very celebrated as well. And as a full-blown Leo, <laughs> to leave that behind, the you know daily accolades and the people calling up to offer me jobs. And it took several times of trying to leave before I really left. And honestly, I've always said that when the universe or spirit or God calls you, you know, initially, it might just sound like a little whisper. And if you don't listen, it might be a little tap on the shoulder. And eventually, you just get like laid out. And being who I am, I had to get laid out, which was the the medical situation that I was in. And of course, it had to do with my brain. So when that happened, something just scared me bad enough that I said, I will not survive this. I had no idea what I was doing or what I was giving myself over to. I'd been an atheist. I had decided I was an atheist. (laughs) And then somebody said to me, you know, Jill, God and the angels existed before religion. That took a while to sink in, but it, it was pretty pivotal for me. And before I tell you the story of what happened, I really want to premise this by saying, This is not a good choice for most people. (laughs) (laughs) It's not wise to fling yourself off the cliff. Like, it's just, you do not need to do anything near what I did. I second that. Oh, goodness. My goodness. So I did. I just quit. (laughs) I just quit with no savings, no money. I mean, the first year after I left the car business, I went completely bankrupt emotionally, physically, financially, mentally. I spent more time on the floor in tears than I did standing. It was a disaster. And I really, I needed something drastic. And I was invited into the medicine journey community. And did five journeys, changed my life in lots of really great ways. And looking back now, I know it also caused some destruction. The problem was it made such a massive shift in who I was and what I believed and how I wanted to continue my life that it was like my life ended and then it started again. But there was nobody on the start again side saying, okay, welcome to your new life. This is what you need to do. Go get yourself a part-time job, honey, so you can pay the rent. Like, (laughs) there wasn't any of that. Instead, there was like, oh, my God, I can see... Sickness in people's bodies, and I can feel people walking down the street and exactly what's going on, and I'm hearing conversations that I'm nowhere near. Do you know? so it was just overwhelming with no net mm. no net, and really not any idea truly how to navigate it. So I really went from the the frying pan to the fire, so yeah, it, it took. I'm not sure at that time if I would have called it courage or bravery. (laughs) I would have said more like I just got my ass whooped. So I turned away from that fight and walked straight into another one for a
0: while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really relate to that piece around jumping off the cliff. And (laughs) yeah, for those people who are listening, who are working in a corporate shop, (laughs) I'm thinking (laughs) of just (laughs) quitting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> With zero financial safety net, and no, your spouse does not count as a financial safety net. No. May this be, yeah. I don't want to say a warning, but inviting you. <laughs> to reconsider
1: whether you want to leave the capitalist world or not it's too bad you live in it
0: <laughs> so. yeah we we live in it and we invite you to come and help us turn the <laughs> dial and you're going to need some money <laughs> yeah exactly yeah it's interesting though because that belief that we could just leave something because like you I was also in a high paying job that belief that you could just leave something to go and do something completely different it's like part of the lie of capitalism. Yes. You can't. It's like, for sure, obviously, it is a possibility, but you still need some yeah. form of income if you don't have inherited wealth or access right. to money or whatever, right? Like it, yeah. it is one of the great lies of capitalism that I think we don't talk about enough with regards to entrepreneurship is that it is, yeah, but you are pursuing your passion. There's a lot of things... Available to us, you know, there is a perceived experience of perhaps <laughs> having more freedom. I'm not sure about that one, <laughs> but, you know, you're not working for the quote unquote man or whatever, but, um, it's an interesting thing to have that belief that we could just leave one thing mm-hmm. so abruptly, yeah, regardless of the reasons. Yeah. Mm.
1: Well, and I think this is the other similar related lie is that if you just follow your passion, you're going to have success. Listen, yes, you might have success, but not in the likelihood that you're going to have success in which you can make sure that you are stewarding your own piece of land. You might have success in the way of like, wow, I'm, I'm really making something amazing and I, and I love this. But we still live on the planet at this time. So the idea that we can disengage from it without causing ourselves and others harm is false. It's simply false. We must continue to engage because this is where we're living and this is the time we're living in. And nothing is inherently bad, really. There are systems that are very, very broken intentionally. And within that, we can still navigate being humans of deep service on purpose, without starving ourselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think one of the things that I've learned from you, and just a little bit of background, Jill and I met a number of years ago, did not like each other when we first met. (laughs) That's changed, obviously. (laughs) And I think one of the things I've really learned from you and that, that you've modeled for me is how important it is for us, particularly when we hold the privileged identities that we do, how important it is to involve ourselves in those systems in in a way that sort of like turns the dial. So how are we modeling that? What conversations are we having? What learning and unlearning are we doing? Mm -hmm. So eternally grateful for you for modeling that. And I think really one of the first business people that I encountered after I left the corporate world where that was evident in your work, even though you know, there's lots of people doing business out there that was such a strong and continues to be a really strong aspect of who you are and just how you are in the world. And I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I would argue, and I often do, that as (laughs) entrepreneurs, there is a different responsibility, because we have a different understanding and relationship with those systems. What do you think?
1: I would agree that we have a different responsibility, because to some degree, we have stepped towards freeing ourselves from those systems. And we've said, I want to engage less with those systems. If we are not also so committed to those with less privilege than we have also being freed, We are not free. Mm. So the more that we move into that place of disengagement, the bigger the responsibility, I believe, we have in understanding and being a part of service to others also being disengaged from it. And that really is a personal journey. It is a a lifetime commitment. We're not going to solve this in our lifetime by any means. But a bucket of water doesn't get filled except for one drop at a time. So we've Mm. got to contribute what we can the whole way along. Yeah. There's also, there has to be a level of grace with yourself when you go down that journey. You're unwinding. We're just as harmed by the system. We're not just as harmed. Let me say that differently we are also harmed by those systems. The difference is we actually have, me trying to disengage with those systems is a very, very different thing than somebody who is black in America trying to disengage from those systems or somebody who is indigenous in Canada trying to disengage. I can do it without threat to my person. Mm. So if there is no threat to my person as I disengage, then my responsibility is to turn around or stand in front of someone who is trying to do the same thing, but is experiencing a threat to their person. And I don't just mean necessarily physical, but it could be a financial threat, an emotional threat, uh, whatever is whatever is there. So I agree with you. <laughs>
0: that's the short answer to
1: that's the long answer to the short question.
0: <laughs> so you shared a little bit about leaving the auto industry and moving to having your own business. Other than the financial piece, which based on two podcast interviews is the common answer to this question. (laughs) But other than that, what do you wish you'd known before you became an entrepreneur?
1: I would say that I didn't need to figure it all out on my own. Mm. I needed support and My decision to move from that external look of success to more aligned with who I am and what I'm supposed to be doing here caused a lot of dissolution of relationships. A lot of people were frustrated, angry, confused, and it's okay for them to be that. I don't need to be pulled back because of it. I mean that it was going to be okay at some point, going to make it through. Certainly did not need to know that it was going to be brutal. <laughs> I, I know, I'm very glad I didn't know how hard it was going to be, because it meant that every time something came up, I had to just be present with what was going on. So I, you know, I think support, definitely surrounding myself with more people who authentically had my back around it, understanding that my pack wasn't going to sit well with a lot of people and that was okay and then being just present with what's in front of me
0: yeah I I really agree with that particularly that piece around how difficult and how much work <laughs> because it's it's one thing to work you know 80 hours a week for someone else because there's <laughs> always that promise of a paycheck <laughs> and that is not the promise in no. entrepreneurship
1: it is yeah not. It is not. And the, uh, the amount of time, I think, in the beginning, I know for myself, and I would say in conversations, so this is true for a lot of us, is that a lot of the time that we spend is worrying about whether or not it's going to work. So we very rarely give ourselves the grace of true time away from the business and trusting that that time away from the business is actually going to deeply serve it rather than take away
0: from it. Do you want to say that again? Because just so people get that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that true time away where you set it down and take time away from it is going to really serve the business rather than harm the business. We need that space. The moment that the creation of the business harms our most important relationships with self, with others, we've gone off track. We've lost the plot. And I know this only because of where I am in my life now. You can have every dime I'll ever make for the rest of my life, as long as I can have the relationships I have now. My husband, my friends,
0: my clients,
1: I would do this work for free if I had to. You can have it. Just don't take away those relationships. Mm. Mm -hmm. And those relationships require me to have space in my business. I have to set it down. And it's not to say that it's not taken, that it doesn't take work still. It's not to say that I'm working only 20 hours a week. That's not the case at all. And in fact, I have a part-time job 13 years into my business, which also serves me and my business. We get this idea that if we take something else, it's going to kill it. No, it's actually (laughs) made me busier in my business
0: because I love it. Mm, Thank you. That's very wise. Yeah, that's very wise. So what are some key moments in your career, your work as an entrepreneur that you can look back on now and reflect as being pivotal, even though at the time, maybe it didn't seem that important? I mean, do those moments exist?
1: I would say some, yes. And I would say I didn't really recognize it at the time. So because of the work that I do, any trainings that I've taken have been healings for me first. So the first thing I did when I left the car business, as far as getting more education was clinical hypnotherapy. And that was life altering as well. It gave me an experience of, first of all, for me, I had massive shifts in who I was through that work because we were practicing on each other and you know being shown by the teachers what was possible. I also had the experience of witnessing another in my presence, change something for themselves, light up from the inside out, have an experience of a shift in their perspective on how the world works for them. So a healing. And, you know, it's like you have that experience consciously, intentionally, you can't ever turn back from it. You're forever changed. You will always be in some way seeking to be of service. So that was very pivotal. I think the TEDx talk was major for me, which is in a way that I didn't expect. So the TEDx talk was a big event. There was a lot of over 2,000 people there. It was a nine month journey to create that. And within that journey, I wasn't just practicing and writing the talk, I was also dealing with what came up for me. As I moved closer to that event, and I worked with Sandy Dow in order to do some of the somatic work so that I understood what was going on with my body. Every time I would go to speak, I would be shaking, that type of thing. But when I hit that stage, it was amazing, amazing for me. And I knew something about myself that I didn't know previously, that I had the capacity to increase my presence take up enough room in that space that everyone could feel welcome in it, that I could move someone at the back of a big room, not just because of who I was. So that was really pivotal in my expectation. Of course, when I did that was I was going to like, somebody's going to ask me to write a book and <laughs> I would have all kinds of new clients, <laughs> which was not the experience at all, but I got something more precious from it than that. And then there's been lots of small stuff along the way, you know, as I've evolved and been willing, I mean, that's the piece, right? Is to be willing to look at who you've been looking back, knowing, watching the places in which you had a a aha moment or a realization and being able to pivot to honor that shift and that change. Yeah, all of that. I wouldn't leave any of it behind. I wouldn't ask to do it over again. (laughs) But <laughs> I wouldn't leave it behind either.
0: Yeah, we have a mutual friend. And what does she say? She said, I'm rarely grateful for the experience, but I'm always grateful for what comes out of it. Yeah, yeah it's very true. Very true. Mm-hmm. So you've been in business now for 13, 14 years. Is that about right? Or is it closer to 15? 13. 13. So in 13 years, we have the onslaught of Facebook and Instagram and mm-hmm. the things. I'm curious what surprises you about what's changed in business in that time, if anything.
1: I think it's harder now than it was before, because I think that there's a lot of people who have realized that they can manipulate it a lot. You know, it could be some dude in a dark basement with a set of headphones that on social media looks like some glamorous woman driving a Bentley uh, and doing it all because she joined in... MLM or something. So I think it's become more difficult for those that are authentic and in integrity to show up in those spaces. And I also think that's changing. So Mm. stuff within that realm naturally moves much faster. I didn't grow up with computers. I played that, what was this (laughs) video game where there'd be like the little person on one side of the screen and it'd go pink and go bing, and they would bat something to the other side and it would take five minutes to get over. Like I was dial-up when that was when I was in my (laughs) twenties. But so much happens so fast and it's constantly shifting. So I think the the rhythm and I think there's there's challenges with that too, because our it does not match our natural rhythm at all. There's something that that has to click for us in the way of I'm going to, just like capitalism, I'm going to continue to engage. I'm going to do it on my time in my way. I mean, it's constantly shifting on purpose. They shift it constantly on purpose. Mm -hmm. It's no longer a social platform, it's a business platform, all of them.
0: Yeah, and it's, I read somewhere this, someone used this language of like the cult of the entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you know, that there is this, we're sort of sold this idea that you take your gift, your passion, and you, put it up on Instagram and you make a video <laughs> and you buy an inexpensive website and like all of your dreams will come true mm-hmm. and that there sort of is this culture around entrepreneurship, which I think it is getting many of us into trouble. And those platforms and those who are using those platforms in a way that sort of lacks a lot of integrity like are really feeding that mm-hmm. that belief system. Yeah, I agree. That entrepreneurship that it is easy. And that's assuming someone has found their their passion, the thing that they're meant to mm-hmm. do at twenty eight, which, which I appreciate. There are some people who have found yes. that. I don't know any of no, them. I've never met any no. of them.
1: Even the ones who are adamant that they have. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they exist. Yeah. I just don't know right. them.
1: Well, and the interesting thing is I have met them, but not on social media. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 right? uh, uh, uh. So I've met young people who are really, they have found their path there and very young and, and perhaps knew it from when they were teenagers and they're walking that path in their life rather than making a
0: show of it. Mm, yeah. That coming back to that performative piece right. that you alluded to Yeah. or you shared at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 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 So, you know, on this theme of thoughts from the other side of 13 years in (laughs) self-employment, what would you like everyone listening, whether or not they're in business or not, but what do you think is important for them to know with regards to building their business?
1: You're not always going to get it right. Do your very, very best to keep showing up. This is such an overused word, but authentically and in integrity. While you're still continually doing your own work. So you have to keep questioning our choices and our decisions, being willing to go, yeah, I said that. And then I realized that there was a nuance I was missing. And so I'm going to let you know that I'm retracting that. And here's why. Do what you can to be a contribution to the whole Keep that wide vision open for yourself so that you don't fall into the trap of, I just need to make money for myself in order to be happy. It's not true. Stay connected to everything outside of entrepreneurship. Give just as much energy and attention to your relationships, to yourself, to honoring your body, your place on the planet. And learn things that have nothing to do with your business. We get into wanting, how do I market? How do I, and and of course we need those. And then on the side, go learn how to build a really healthy garden. Those things are what's going to nourish the business. Those are the things that are going to hold you in the times when shit hits the fan. Those are the things that you're going to lean on when the idea that you had for your business turns out to be not the reality of what's so.
0: So, what are some things that you're questioning or curious about right now? Just going back to that piece of advice you offered around, you know, really questioning some things. Mm-hmm. Is there anything right now that you're really questioning or that you're super curious about these days?
1: Yeah. So, there's a couple of things. The first thing is how do I in my life honor the cycles
0: of the planet?
1: How do I really, for me in my way, how do I truly honor and line myself up in a way that really honors that? That's something I'm really interested in. You know, there's an underlying theme that has been with me, I don't know, forever in regards to social justice, anti racism work, anti, you know, understanding bias and all of that stuff. That's, that's just always there. I'm always engaged in some way. I'm curious about what is possible as I move into this last third of my life. I've realized lately that it has the potential to be the most successful time of my life in all areas. My definition of success isn't necessarily <laughs> the norm, but I, how, I really am curious about, so what do I need to do to create that so that as I move into this, it's full of power, that it's full of love, that it's full of connection, and 100% authentic. And what does that even mean? I'm also exploring truth a lot. Mm. (laughs) You know, this is something I've stood in (laughs) from the beginning of the work that I've done, and it was massively healing for me, is that we really need to tell our truth, as always been. But now I'm starting to poke at that a little bit and realizing that perhaps, yes, truth telling is important and we have our own truth. My truth isn't necessarily your truth and there's nothing wrong with that. So as a foundation, it doesn't really hold up all the time. What does hold up and really what I was doing and what was causing the healing was the sharing of my story. So That is what heals people in my work also, is to be able to share their story, have it witness, pull on the threads of the story so that when the whole thing is unraveled and you have that one centerpiece, that it is the truth of the story for you. It's not somebody else's.
0: It's yours. So... What are you creating right now that you're really excited about that you would do for free? Yeah. (laughs) But but aren't because life. So, yeah, share with us.
1: This has been an evolution for me. And it's funny because sometimes what we start with and then we decide isn't good enough or isn't right because lots of people tell us is the thing we come back to. So, for me, that's the one on one work that's working with individuals. Uh, who are in a place in which things have gotten hard to the degree in which they understand navigating it alone is not going to serve them. And I said to somebody the other day, the work that I offer is often the most powerful thing that anyone will do in their lives. They may have worked with other people, with counselors, with lots of, done lots of different things, but there's something mystical, perhaps, or... Medicinal that happens in the work that I do with one on one that inevitably shifts things. And then I'll let you in on something that you don't even know about yet, Jenny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have this desire to lead a group of women for an extended period of time. Now, I've tried this in the past, and this came out of the conversation that you and I had yesterday. It sparked something for me and i realize that i can set something up that goes exactly the way i want it to go and in having it set up exactly the way i want it to go then the exact right people will show up for that journey so i'm in the process in the inquiry i suppose of exactly how i would like that to look and for how long and who i would invite
0: along for that ride so i will link Jill's website and instagram up in the show notes thank you so much my friend
1: my pleasure
0: i'm so grateful for you and this was a really thought-provoking conversation for me and undoubtedly for those listening so thank you for being here today is there anything else that you're like i need to say this
1: no, I think we covered a lot. I mean, if if I say one thing, it's going to like pull another string and we'll be on here for another hour. Or so um. <laughs> yeah,
0: I think we're completing at a good moment.
1: Yeah. Thank so. you so much, Jenny.
0: I really hope that you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. You know, Jill is one of those people that I think... We could talk for a long time. There's always so much to cover and so much to explore. And I appreciate the way that she invites me to consider things differently. And, you know, she's a big part of helping me to trust and share the way that I really want to experience the world. And that podcast is, you know, has come out of that. So if you want to find Jill, I've linked up her website and her Instagram handle in the show notes, but you can find her at jillprescott.ca or on Instagram at jillprescott. Hop on her email. She sends the most beautiful notes on a regular basis and If you just want to hear the soothing voice of someone who is expressing love on a regular daily basis, then it's really worth following her again on Instagram or over on Facebook. And that'll all be linked up in the show notes. Thanks for now. Thanks for listening to This is Jenny Alexis. I hope you enjoyed what you heard on today's show. As always, it means the world to me when you share this content. So if there was something that got you thinking or made you curious, I'd love to know. Send me a note at thisisjennyalexis.com or over on Instagram at thisisjennyalexis. If you enjoyed today's episode, another way you can show your appreciation is by leaving a review on iTunes. And if there's a person in your life who could benefit from this conversation, please share this episode with them. Thank you so much for being here. I can't wait to do it all again soon.